Welcome, awesome listeners, to the New Nudist Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Klein. This is the podcast for people curious about the nudism and naturism way of life. If you've been thinking about trying out nudism, if it's been a bucket list thing for you, then this is the podcast designed to give you what you need to know in order to try it out. If you're already a nudist, this show is for you too. We hope you'll learn more about the movement and get more out of your nudist practice. So people, I'm recording this in mid-May of 2020, and I have the quarantine hair to prove it. Um, And you know, I also realized just before recording this that, hey, sometimes the cobbler's children do go barefoot, and I have always had clothes on while recording this podcast, which I know is ridiculous and gives me no moral authority uh, to make this podcast. So here we go. This is the first podcast where I'm actually recording nude. So I feel like, you know, I I can actually do this now. So today, uh, today's show is one I've been looking forward to for a long time. If there are rock stars in the nudist and naturist world, then this guy is our Dave Grohl. He's our Mick Jagger. He is our Post Malone. I think I've covered all my generations there. But today we have an interview with Stéphane Duchesne from the Naturist Living Show and Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. And we're going to talk about the terms nudist and naturist, where they come from, what they, what they mean to different people. Uh, and I'm really excited. I think you're going to enjoy this uh, interview. I know I really enjoyed doing it. We'll also check in with the Naked Wanderings blog to see what Nick and Linz are recommending as the 14 ideas to joy, enjoy being nude at home while social distancing. All of this coming up next in episode six of the New Nudist Podcast. Stick around. All right, so I'm probably going to be a little bit of a nudist fanboy here, but if you've listened to this show before, you know that I'm a fan of Stefan Duchesne and the Naturist Living Show podcast. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to do that. Uh, he, I think he's probably over 150 episodes into it by now, and so much of what I have learned about nudism and naturism, I owe to listening to the podcast. It's, uh, he's done so much for me to help me feel comfortable in, um, in how I practice nudism and naturism. And, um, and uh, as I've said before, was really one of the inspirations for this uh, podcast here. So, um, you know, I have listened to it all over the world. Uh, it's been in, he's been in my head in, in, in the air. He's been, uh, I've listened to it like driving through remote parts of Asia and Africa, walking through the streets of London and Paris while vacuuming. So much vacuuming. I've listened to this show. <laughs> uh, cleaning the bathrooms while I'm laying out nude in the beach in Hawaii. Um, I've just, he's been there along this journey for me. And um, it was my introduction to this world. And I'm thrilled he agreed to come on this show. And uh, for a while now, I've been wondering about the term nudist and naturist and how they mean different things to different people. And I wanted to understand the history, and I knew there would be nobody better to go to than him for that. Stefan, it is such a pleasure to have you on the New Nudist podcast today. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. And I was uh, flattered that on your very first episode, you chose to uh, talk very, very nicely about uh, the Nature's Living Show, too. So that, thank you for that. Well, as I think I shared with you uh, when we first spoke, you know, your show, the Nature's Living Show, 
was really one of the things that inspired me to do this particular podcast. I've been a listener for several years now, and as somebody who's been new to Nudism, it's been a tremendous resource for me and has really helped me feel comfortable in you know, going from my first nude experience to you know, enjoying the social nudity that I do now. And, um, you know, it's been a, and I'm sure it's also been a resource for lots of other listeners who I think are grateful to know that they're part of something larger than themselves. You know, does that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. And I think there's something larger to me is one of the reasons I started doing this is because I didn't expect a lot of people to listen. A lot more people listen than I ever expected, but I wanted a chance, a way to, um, talk about the movement and the philosophy, because as I evolved in this and realized it was a lot more than just being naked, I, I, I recognized that a lot of people had either didn't know that or had forgotten. I'm not sure. Um, and I think it's important. I think that's what, I think that's what makes people passionate. And that's, uh, and if you really understand why it feels so good and why it changes the way people are, you realize there's so much more to it than just, well, let's get naked. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, there's something, there's definitely an important aspect to the right to be nude and the, the body acceptance that some people are talking about fighting for. I'm totally for that too, but it's, that's different. And that would be like the free the nipple campaign. Yeah, or the, the right like to that. be nude in period. You know, period. It's your body, and you shouldn't be. You shouldn't have to hide it. Or there's people who fight for the right. Uh, they believe it's a human right to not have to be ashamed of your body, and I, I agree. But naturism or nudism is uh, was a movement for a lot more than that, and I think there is a lot more to it behind it. Yeah, you know, um, I'm currently getting input from the nudism subreddit on uh, telling other people for the first time that you're a naturist or naturist. And I wanted to get people's experiences. Right, and yeah, yeah. I'm actually getting some uh, pushback f about, you know, not labeling, um, you know, and people, which is kind of interesting, you know, maybe think, you know, that I don't quite understand the history behind the terms nudism, naturism. And I was hoping that maybe uh, you could shed some light on you know, where those terms came from, and what you see the difference between nudism and naturism is. I mean, was it one a subset of the other? What's the relationship uh, between them? Those are very, very good questions, and uh, I have a theory. Now, n nobody actually knows exactly why things in culture become what they are. But in you know, retroactively, uh, in hindsight, you can kind of look at things and say, oh, well, this happened and this happened. So it's probably why this is the way it is. And so, you know, I'm very much, I, I'm going to give you, uh, I'll give you a story here, a little history lessons. One of the, uh, it's, it's, it's something that I, I really got into when I was teaching at University of Toronto and wanted to explain what naturism was about. And I was... I was looking at history of Germany and history of France and history of North America, and those are all very, uh, those are all things that a lot of people have talked about. And then I started putting it together, and I said, "Oh, I think I have an idea why the terms diverged." And because uh, there's a lot of terms, you know, and it's culturally it depends on where which part of the world you're in that makes a difference. 
Um, but let me start by saying, I just recorded an episode, which isn't live yet. Uh, maybe it will be by the time folks listen to this one on your show. It, it, I got uh, somebody call in and left a comment and talked about how some people don't like labels, and that's fine. Uh, but it's a misnomer that people don't like labels or that young people don't like labels. And it just depends on whether they identify with a label. And when people tell me that young youth don't like labels, I say, oh, really? How many young vegans do you know? <laughs> and their eyes go, yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, so it depends whether you identify with a label. Labels are useful. You know, when you go to a vegetarian restaurant, you have an idea what that means. And if you found that what they were doing is barbecuing ribs, you'd be going, I don't think sure. that you should call yourself a vegetarian restaurant. You know, you, you've got a labels is is necessary for us to it's a shortcut so that we don't have to spend 15 minutes minutes sorry so we don't have to spend 15 minutes explaining exactly what it is and that's the problem actually in our movement is the definitions are lost or mixed up and confused and when i was in paris uh, in the fall of 2019, in September, just last year, um, I walked by an establishment that had a woman lounging seductively and looking at you with her lips puckered, and it said, naturist massage. Oh, okay. Now, I see. That, yeah, <laughs> that, it was a uh, happy endings type of establishment, shall we say? Natural, yes. um, and... Because why were they using that term? Because to some people, especially the non-naturist, nudist world, to the textile world, the word naturist in Europe means nude. That's it. Nothing more. It means it's people who run around naked on the beach. That's the most salient aspect. Same thing with nudist. What's nudist? People who run around naked. That's it. That's what the general public will tell you. And we, we that's why we have to keep fighting to put some context around what those terms mean. So, but yeah, you know, if I may, that when people use the words, you know, we were nudism, often people, you know, people who aren't necessarily familiar with the movement and family nudism and naturism, you know, what it actually is automatically think lifestyle. Yes, of course. And, yes. you know, and you, and you get that sort of knee jerk reaction that it's something sexual, you know, and, sure. uh, you know, and they have, you know, several other people I've I've kind of told or have sort of jumped to that conclusion. Yeah, and they have every reason to, because there's a lot of material. Well, before the internet, it was in magazines and movies, and now it's all over the internet. There's lots of materials that confirms that connection, uh, not by me or you or or real naturists or nudists, but people who are selling some fantasy which isn't real. Uh, you know, they, they, there's a there's a club. I won't name them because it doesn't matter. And they call themselves a blank, blank, blank nudist club. And they are 100% a swingers club. Now, they'll tell you there's no sex happening most of the time. Okay, fair enough. But they're all there to check each other out and pick partners. And every, you know, they have lots of parties that are openly swingers party. I, I, and I don't have a problem with that. But why are you a nudist club? Yeah, then? yeah, exactly. And, and it can be confusing, right? Sure. It confuses people. Sure. Now, in Europe, they use the term naturist, right? So when I hear that uh, term naturist from Europeans, um, I hear that much more more often. Um, here in the U.S., I hear the term nudist. 
And uh, I don't hear very many Europeans kind of referring themselves to that way. Do those uh, p potentially mean different things to Europeans and people from the U.S.? Absolutely. And are you using them interchangeably? No, they, in Europe, uh, a nudist is almost a slight. Huh. It's a person who is nude without context, without meaning, uh, often with a sexual a aspect to them. It's just about nudity. And naturism was the term. And if let me give you a little bit of an explanation of why I think it is that way. Um, the Germans, at the beginning of the 20th century, started with a, a movement that is still called uh, Freie Koperkultur, FKK. And uh, it means free body culture. Ah, uh, it was a movement yeah. for physical health because nobody in the early 20th century understood there wasn't any such thing as mental health or emotional health, right? If uh, if you were uh, in World War One, if you were you know crouched in a little ball rocking in a trench, you were a coward. Nobody thought that you you had some issues or you know PTSD that didn't exist. So it was all about physical health because. You know, with all the pollution and the rapid uh, urbanization that came with the Industrial Revolution, cities were horrible places to get sick, and they realized they needed ways to be healthier, and they saw that. Well, it's a longer story, and I won't get into it, but they saw that by being nude and fresh air and sun and clean water, it was a good thing. And the first the first places in Germany was also uh, vegetarian, no alcohol, no tobacco. Very, very uh, so a regimented. dietary aspect to this. and. Sort of a yes, lifestyle yes. with a small element. Mandatory exercise in the morning, cold showers, that kind of stuff. Like sure, just sure. trying to toughen you up. But anyways, that movement is interesting, and it's picked up in France uh, by some people as well. Uh, Marcel Kiené de Mongeau, and he calls it uh, gymnité, uh, with, with the, from the word uh, gymnos in Greek, which means nude. Uh, and libre culture, free culture. Now you can see that word comes from the free body culture. And then there's two brothers called the Durville, the doctors Durville, they were both doctors. They start a similar movement called naturisme between World War I and World War II, very popular. Naturisme, because you're going back to nature and living a more natural life, they would like to be nude, but they're not because the police would arrest them and they wear something called a minimum. World War II mm. happens, and uh, Albert and Christian Lecoq in France take over by being great organizers and starting a lot of clubs, and they publish a magazine, and they use the term naturisme because they believe in the full nudity. Uh, they don't use, so they're followers of Kiené de Mongeau and the full nudity, but they are using the term of the doctors Durville, probably because they were more commercially successful and the term was relatively well-known in France. And so France, which has the oceans, you have the Atlantic coast, you have the Mediterranean, you have tons of beaches, you have warm weather, is where a lot of Europe likes to vacation. And so as naturisme, naturism develops in France and these massive resorts are built, you know, there are several resorts with thousands of campsites. Uh, it, it, they 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 have a lot of people. Like t today, three point five million people uh, is they say are taking a, vac a nature's vacation in France, of which two million, a majority, are not French. So you're getting people from all these countries coming in, 
and vacationing in France, having, you know, when you're, when you're vacation, that's like your best experience. Everything is through rose-colored glasses. Uh, yeah, so that's your and, mountaintop experience, and then you go back to exactly, Iowa or wherever you're Exactly. Yeah. And what do those French people call it? They call it naturisme. So that's why I think the mm. French made that word the term. Now, European naturists who are really into the movement will talk about practicing nudism as part of naturism, because naturism is a bigger ideology than just being nude. And so it's some, something, something larger, something more exactly. than just being naked. Now, in North America, you have a, another doctor, another academic, and his name is Dr. Maurice Parmley. And despite the French-sounding name, he's a, totally American. And he has a, a PhD in economics and sociology. And after World War I, he's sent to, by the U.S. government to Germany to, do, to watch what's happening because of the war repairs that's bankrupting the country, essentially. And somehow he ends up at the uh, Freilichtpark, which is Freelight Park, where they practice the FKK, the Freikörperkultur, discovers that and is fascinated by it. And in 1927, he writes the first edition of this book that he calls the New Gymnosophy. So there's that word, gymnos, gymnos, nude. He chooses gymnosophy because he sees it as a philosophy, an ideology, uh, which is similar to what Kiané de Mongeau was using in France. And I have a copy of that 1927 book, and it's fascinating because he really takes it in my... I think it's the first time that he t that anybody takes it so far in observing not just the, the physical health benefits, but the emotional, ben health, uh, the, the emotional health benefits, the, how it changes people, how they interact with each other, how it levels the playing fields, and it makes people more humane to each other. And he talks about how it's a better way to raise children and how you know, people should be forced to do political debate nude because it's more honest and true. And it, it's a fascinating book to read. But the second edition in 1931, which is the big first big printing, uh, is not called the New Gymnosophy. It's called Nudism in Modern Life. And why is that? And, and is that where we pick up that term? Well, I mean, the Europeans were talking about nudism, but it was nudism as a part of naturism, or as a part of culture, or as a you know, in whichever language they were doing. The nudity was only in one aspect. Um, so they didn't make it a movement, but he, he titles his book uh, Nudism in Modern Life, and it's the title of the book. Now, why would he do that? Well, I don't know, but here's what I think. How do you sell books in 1931? On the newsstand. And when you walk by a book that says The New Gymnosophy, you go, huh, okay, next. But when it says Nudism in Modern Life, you go, dude, I'm buying that book. There's naked people in this one. Oh, so there could be uh, sort of a you, marketing element here. That's uh, what I yeah. think it was. Yeah. I, the, I sub the, the subtitle of it is The New Gymnosophy. It's Nudism in Modern Life in bold print, The New Gymnosophy in little print below it. Uh, so if you led with gymnosophy, people would walk right by it. And, well, yeah, because what the heck does that mean? Yeah, and not dive yeah. into it, right? Yeah. Uh, most people don't know what it means, even if they've been involved in this movement. They go, why is it that all these clubs have these things called gymnos? Gymnos this, gymnos that. And until somebody explains it to them, it just seems like we have a Greek <laughs> fetish or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. You have Helios right, and right. Gymnos, and yeah. Um, so yeah, so that book is printed. There are oh, I, five or six editions up until 1952. It is printed and reprinted and reprinted and reprinted, thousands and thousands of copies. And Parmalee is not 
an organizer at all. He's the intellectual academic. Ah, uh, so but then the people not who going to lead your movement, he's just going to lay it out there. Exactly. But the people who organize and start a movement, all those names like Boone and all those that you hear about as, as starting uh, the nudist movement in the U.S., they all have this book. They all push this book because it is like you want to explain, you want to rationalize uh, why this is not just a bunch of people running around naked. Here's a book by a Ph.D., and it talks about a philosophy and an ideology, which, by the way, they even go to the uh, fight, go to court with the. Uh, it's banned for a while in the U.S. because it actually has pictures in it, and so the American Civil Liberties Union goes with Parmalee to court and wins. And the courts say, "Yeah, no, there is a purpose for the nude pictures in this case, so it's free speech." And so you have a book which the courts have said is important. You have a book which is by a PhD, and so. Every, every club and every person who's anybody has a copy of this book so they can say to journalists and government and people who come in, look, here's the rationale as to why this is a movement. Oh, okay, yeah. Here's the academic backup exactly. for this. And, We're uh, not just a bunch of... And it has a term nudism attached exa- to it, right? Exactly. And that's why I think in North America, nudism becomes a term that everybody uses because it's on the cover of that book. Oh. So that's that my theory. so much sense. It just makes complete sense. Long story. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, you know, well, I think it's important, you know. Um, so one of the things that makes people comfortable, in my view, um, joining this is, you know, part of it's being something, part of something larger than themselves, you know, and not just about taking off your clothes. You know, certainly for some people it is about that. But there are people who are interested in, you know, having the history and mm-hmm. um, and, and sometimes you know, they're confused about the terms, yes. right? And and I know even I get sensitive uh, about those terms. You know, do I call myself a nudist? Do I call myself a naturist? I'm, I'm not always sure. And, um, you know, so hearing the history behind it, I think is really valuable for those of us who, you know, want to dive a little bit deeper. Yes, and I, but it, it it still doesn't address the issue that the the, the labels are not clearly defined. And um, I was uh, I was having a conversation with uh, somebody from the International Naturist Federation, who was asking me, you know, what do I think naturism or nudism is? Assume let's assume we're using them as synonyms because uh, they can mean exactly the same thing, but it depends where you are. Mm, sure. And I said. I, it depends. It depends. I said, you can't yeah. actually answer that. And if you try to be too specific, you're going to mm. exclude a whole bunch of people, which still fit under the umbrella. Uh, what, what I did to try to include everybody is I created a scale. Um, and let's use nudism because that's the term you, you're more familiar with, and I have no problem with the term nudist. Uh, I, t- I tend to prefer naturism because I think it, it makes the point that it's not just about nudity, but it doesn't matter. And what I said is it's it's not a yes or no, it's a scale, like many things in the in the world, right? And in the on the one side, you are really an I call it a recreational nudist. You do it for fun. It feels good. You like to run around naked? Nothing wrong with that. It does feel good. It's very liberating. Uh, maybe you see a, you know a little few benefits to your health. It certainly is practical. You don't have wet bathing suits to deal with. <laughs> but that's it. It's not. It's not a. It's not a. It doesn't have a deep meaning behind it. It's not about changing the world. It's just something you enjoy doing, and you want your friends to join you. That's it. 
At the other end is the people who have, you know, read every word of every book, and I call them ethical naturists, because the movement is about ethics, it's about changing the world, it's about how it's essentially wrong to shame people about their bodies, and it's the world is is broken in how we interact with each other and, and deal with our bodies and judge ourselves and all that stuff. And for them, it's a movement. It's, it's for, it is about changing the world. It's about uh, trying to a make a better there, right? Yeah. But like all scales, most people don't fit at either end, right? Just like you say, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Well, I'm introvert this way, an extrovert this way. And similarly, you're... You can be a recreational nudist this way and more of an ethical nudist when it comes to this aspect. I don't know what those are, but that's what a scale is all about. And that's, that's I think, a much better way to represent all these people we meet at clubs and beaches and stuff like that. And, and maybe then people wouldn't feel so bothered by picking the label because so for some people, they describe the label so tightly that you feel trapped and you say, well, I, d I don't agree with this part, so therefore I can't oh, use it. Oh, yeah. You know, that makes so much more sense. Um, and it actually makes me feel a little bit more comfortable, um, you know, in... Uh, Good. With, ...with having those discussions. And uh, what a great way to frame it. And do you think, mm -hmm. um, you know, do, do you find that people sort of start out as nudists and then, if, uh, you know, as we get more... in into the movement and, um, you know, learn more that, uh, ultimately be, you know, consider ourselves naturists. You were going to use the word evolve, weren't you? But you saw, <laughs> oh, that sounds judgmental. It does sound <laughs> judgmental. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say that actually. Well, it, yeah, you know, um, and, and it depends what you mean by evolve. Evolve implies yeah, yeah, evolution, sure. but you, sure. you, you know, you can, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, podcasting, you and I, and equipment. Um, I wouldn't say I evolved into more higher-end equipment and understanding this better, but I certainly got into it in a big way. And I think it's the same thing. Yeah, people, most people, I think, start at the recreational end. And whether they go further with it, whether they want to see anything more or whether they're interested, depends on a few things. One, whether they're even presented with that as an option. There's a lot of places where I, I have visited that there is nobody who, uh, you know, it's not in the atmosphere of the club. It's not in the tone of how they run the place. It's not what any of the members or visitors talk about. So there's really no opportunity to there's nobody evangelizing that no, on that no, end of the no. spectrum. There's, there's no opportunity to get more into it or mm. to see it in a different way or more complex way. Um, so people don't have a chance to do it. So it's not. I don't, I don't want to judge anybody. And some people, you know, they're not that, that interested, and that's okay. You know, so yeah, you're yeah. a musician. So maybe it's a deep deepening, not an evolving, but a yeah. And it's, it depends right? on whether you're interested. You're a musician. You mm. like to play music. Some people just want to listen. Yeah. yeah. They don't want to. They don't want to understand. Yeah, they just yeah. appreciate enjoying. They enjoy the music, and if you just enjoy being a nudist or a naturist, I'm good with that. Mm. You know. Yeah. I, I will try because at Baroques I try to kind of sneak in a few ideas around it for, with you if I can, but <laughs> but I'm not tr trying to force you to you know come to a seminar and start preaching and whatever. That's fine. Enjoy. It's okay. Mm. But if you want to learn more, what would you say if there was? Yeah. Um, so, so what would you say if there was somebody like me, who 
wanted to learn a little bit more about this movement, just getting into nudism, you know, just, and, and wants to, you know, dive a little bit deeper and, and, you know, more the history. What, what, what sort of resources would you point me to to start to sort of work our way towards, you know, not evolve, <laughs> <laughs> but work our way towards, uh, you know, that other end of the spectrum. Yeah, to, uh, to seeing it and being involved in a, in a deeper, more complex way. Um, well, books really are the best way to do it, I think. And there's a lot of books. Any particular ones? Well, yeah, there's... I mean, if you can get your hands on the Maurice Parmalee book, it's fascinating. Um, and it's, it's widely available still because so, so many copies were printed. It doesn't matter whether you get a 1940, 50, or 30... Uh, version of the book. They're not that different. Um, there's a lot of them available used on uh, uh, Libris or what's the other one? There's two of them. Anyway, uh, just Google used books and you'll find them. There's a lot of them available. I'm, I've got a digital version that I'm working on publishing. I've got a, I'm just trying to figure out the, I think we're free on the copyright aspect, so I might be able to just make that available. But why the book is fascinating to me is because um, you, you, first of all, you're reading a, something that's almost 100 years old in, in thought, and you're reading it in hindsight. So, for example, when he talks about how, you know, there's no room for racism in, uh, in nudism or naturism, that's outrageous wow. in 1930. 100 years ago. Yeah, in 1930. This was huh. before World War II, Nazism, uh, you know, the, the concentration camps. Huh. This was before, well before the 1960s and Jim Crow and all that stuff. Like, he's American. <laughs> so the Incredible. ideas of Jim Crow is not foreign. I had yeah. No idea. When he talks about men and women being more equal when they're nude, that's also crazy talk because in 1930, a lot of women didn't have the right to vote. Or own property in a lot of places. Like it's, it's a very interesting uh, v- way of looking way back, way into the future, and it's also a little bit sad because he thinks he found something so powerful that he believes that by now we're all going to be nude all the time, and obviously we're not. Uh, and so that's, I really that book has really means a lot to me, and it's something I want to do more with. I did go to Yale. Uh, his archives are at Yale. And I had to go to Yale, and I got a lot of material. And when I have time, I need to go through that and publish more stuff on him. So that's a good start. But there's there's lighter stuff. Um, you know, there's uh, there's some really excellent academic books that came out in the last uh, five ten years. Um, there's one uh, on the American nudism, and I'm just trying to think of the. Sorry, I'm looking back at my bookshelf here, see if I can find the title, but I can't see it right off the top of my head. Uh, Hoffman, Brian Hoffman, I think is his name. And uh, it's the U.S. US nudist uh, history, although I don't agree with 100% of it, but it's okay. Um, so, and then there's one on France, also written by an American, um, which is the history of nudism in France, which is really excellent as well. And that gives you a more of a context of how it evolved there and how places like Cap Dag uh, became such mistakes and mm. aberrations. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And sorry, I wish I, I... I don't know why I can't think of the titles off the top of my head. I'm not prepared for that. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's okay. We'll, we'll include it in the description for this podcast. And yeah, I'll get that from you. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, I'll give you a few more as well. Right. There's, a, there's an excellent book on... Uh, 
it's called Nakedness or something like that uh, by a British... Oh, Jesus, I'm terrible right now with trying to think of the names. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, I have a whole bunch of books. But yes, those are some of my favorites. And I, I will, I'll share them all with you so you can share with them, with people. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how else. That's probably the best way to kind of get into that and learn. There's lots of little bits of those kinds of things in uh, uh, magazines, especially the Nature Society has often written a lot of articles that are quite, uh, you know, on the history or on ideology, philosophy, where they get a little bit more in-depth in their thinking. Uh, the magazine is good. And some of that stuff is online. You just have to dig it up. Uh, I can't think of any specific website. Although uh, Mark Story from the Nature Society has an excellent, excellent bibliography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm familiar with his work. We can yeah. add that to the, um, the notes of this show as well. Great. Well, Stefan, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been such a pleasure to finally talk to you after you, after listening to you for all this time. Thank you for the thank history you. um, that you've given us of, of this movement and some of the terminology, and I think it's going to help a lot of folks out there uh, feel more comfortable as we, as we all move forward in our nudist and naturist journey. So thanks so much uh, for, for doing this. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. I really appreciate being on the show. So if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I am definitely a fan of Stefan and The Naturist Living Show. And you also know that I like the Naked Wanderings blog. So Nick and Linz are a Belgian couple and they travel the world to visit naturist resorts, nudist beaches, and campgrounds. And they write reviews for all of those things and guides for how to live your naked life. And I would rec if you haven't been there, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Um, and today we're going to read one of their blog posts that I think is going to be pretty relevant to what's going on right now. And uh, it was published on April 15th, 2020. It's 14 ideas to enjoy being nude at home while social distancing. Read the entire blog, go on their website, read the entire blog and, and all the other stuff that they do. I'll just give you the highlights. So number one, they say is relax. So if you can, introduce nap times. And they said yes with an S into your day. Uh, spend some time with Netflix and uh, do a facial, get a warm bath. But those are all things you get to do without clothes. So first and foremost, take this time to relax and rejuvenate. Second is improve your home. They say now's the time to gr a great time to pick up all those projects. Uh, you know, it's a great time to probably clean out your closet. If you're not wearing as many clothes as, you know, as uh, sort of is the situation for me, it's a great time to clean out your closet and say, you know, I actually don't wear that very much. So do some cleaning and, and uh, start with your closet because, hey, you don't really need a lot of those clothes anyway. Number three, start cooking. Uh, they say this is you know, a great nude activity. And they suggest that, hey, you know, this is a time when delivery is definitely a thing. And we want to support all of our local restaurants and, and the people who work there and the delivery uh, people. So consider like ordering a great steak from your restaurant and make learn how to make your own mashed potatoes along with it. So kind of pull them all together. Number four is get artistic. 
this is a great time to start thinking about photography, learning about photography, for painting, for um, creating pottery. You know, if you've got a partner at home and they're open to being nude, like hopefully you are, hey, you've got your own nude model there. And so get some photography going. Number five is get inspired. You know, this is a great time to sit and watch TED Talks, you know, to in listen to inspirational podcasts. Oh, like, say, you know, the New Nudist podcast, for example. Um, or browse through some of the ex excellent naturist blogs out there. Uh, Naked Wanderings is one. There's Meandering Naturist. Uh, there's, there's a whole host of them out there and hopefully more, you know, all the time. And uh, so they say that those are all great things you can do nude. Number six is learn something new. This could be the time when you can learn French. Do you want to learn origami, guitar? You know, all of that's available on online now. And you could take the time to start working on this. And again, you're at home playing a guitar. Why should you be wearing clothes doing that? Number seven is get moving. This is a time when inertia really kicks in. I don't know about you, but it's, it's hard for me. And having time for exercise is, um, I, you know, I'm used to swim and our p community pool's closed and so I don't get to do that anymore. So I try to do yoga naked uh, in the mornings or suspension training. And they have these great uh, online yoga classes. Naked in Motion is one that they uh, recommend where you can do free online classes. Um, so I don't know about you, but for me, exercising nude is extra motivation. It gets me thinking, oh, well, maybe I do want to do that. Number eight, spend some time with the kids. This is a great time to play games and video games and board games. And as a family, if you're a nudist or naturist family, it's a great way to enjoy that um, together. Number nine is go camping. So if you can go out and go camping out into the wilderness, that's awesome. Uh, if you can't, it's also a good time to maybe clean up the living room and turn, uh, turn down the heat and maybe make your own little Everest base camp and, or go out in your backyard and make a little uh, camping situation. But it's, it's a great time to go camping in the nude, either in your home or in the woods. Number 10 is work. So I'm really fortunate, I'm sure many of you are as well, that I, I get to work from home. And uh, so more and more of us are doing that now. And it would, you know, a lot of us are also, when we're not on video calls, maybe taking our clothes off and working nude. Um, I know I have my my a shirt right next to my desk so that if I get that last minute video call, I can throw it on. Um, but I have to admit, I have been on video calls when I'm just wearing that shirt. Got to remember not to stand up. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> working nude is fantastic. I even have a listener that, uh, you know, we, we message back and forth every once in a while and we encourage each other to do some work nude. So uh, it's pretty fun. Next is get semi-social. So we can't do the face-to-face -face social nudity that we want to do right now, but there are a lot of ways to sort of bridge that gap online. You know, we have a f uh, some uh, friends who uh, we play um, online games with, like once a week. It's, it's, you know, we would normally be hanging out at our nudist club, but 
Instead, we play uh, video games and hang out uh, that way and sort of maintain those relationships. You can also think about doing an online naturist cocktail party. If you have naturist or nudist friends, it's a great way to sort of keep those relationships going, have some social nudity, but some social distancing. So, um, hey, and they say it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Uh, number 12 is become a naturist blogger. There has never been such a low bar to entry for blogging. Um, there, it's so easy to get into. And there is definitely need for more people talking about nudism and naturism and making this much more of a normal thing. I'm talking to you, my buddy in Arizona. So e there you go to WordPress or Wix. It's they make it so easy. And you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know everything there is to know about you know, this topic or any other topic in order to become a blogger. If that were true, I would not be doing this podcast because I haven't been a nudist or a naturist for very long. And I don't know very much about it at all. All I know is what I read and what I uh, you know, research and then share it with you. And... So, you know, you don't have to be an expert. So think about starting that blog. Number 13, uh, start planning. Uh, this, this is going to be over someday. This will be over. Maybe not as quickly as we want it to be. Maybe not as completely as we want to be. But someday we will be able to go on that naked vacation. Go back to our favorite nude beach. Go back to our nudist club and and enjoy those nudist and naturist activities that we, you know, certainly I love and many of you love and hopefully some of you will come to love. And so, but start planning that now for when it's, when we're ready to go. It's one of those things that will be that, that carrot for us on those days when, when this is hard, when quarantine is hard, we can look forward and say, you know, someday in the next nine months, I'm gonna be sitting on Little Beach and it will all be fine. Last, number 14, enjoy the moment. This will not last forever. It's scary, it's boring, it's lonely, it's frustrating. And we, I don't know about you, but I miss so much being at the pool at our club, at the nude beach, having the ability to get on a plane and go to Mexico and, you know, all of that I miss so much. Um, but this is a time when we, we have an opportunity, an opportunity to get to know ourselves a little bit better, opportunity to try new things, opportunity to introduce nudity into our lives that maybe, in ways, maybe we hadn't before. And for those of you who haven't spent a lot of time doing that, this is a great time to try it in the privacy of your own home uh, and just try and see if that becomes part of something you might want to do a little bit more of and maybe a little bit more socially later on. So give it a shot, but don't waste this time. Enjoy the moment. I know I will. That's it for today's show. Thanks again to the awesome Stefan Duchesne for coming on and giving us a little bit of history. You know, as, as people who practice nudism and naturism and nakedism, this is our shared history. And it's, it's yours, it's mine, it belongs to anyone who embraces this way of life. 
and uh, I clearly have more reading to do. <laughs> the, the list of books that Stefan uh, mentioned is in the description of this podcast, along with links to Naturist Living Show and Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park and Naked Wanderings. So go check all of that out. Please subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever. We have more new episodes to come. It's the best way to know when we load them. So, and, um, you know, most of the listeners, there are new analytics for Anchor, and so it kind of tells you who's listening. And so most of the listeners of this on this podcast are in the U.S. and Canada. But I am so encouraged that we have listeners from Australia and the U.K. Those are like the next two uh, places but also so many other countries than I ever thought would be tapping into the show. So we have Germany, Sweden, Poland, Norway, the Netherlands, Belgium, Northern Ireland, Italy, New Zealand, Austria, Chile, India, Hungary, Switzerland, South Africa, Aruba, Israel, Peru, Croatia, the United Arab Emirates, Spain, Madagascar, Luxembourg, Greece, the Philippines, Guatemala, Argentina, Puerto Rico, France, Bosnia, and Herzegovina, Govina, um, Estonia, Kuwait, Malaysia, Mexico, Brazil, Romania, Finland, Russia, and my favorite, the Isle of Man. I am so blown away uh, by the response that we've received and by how many people are accessing this show. So just um, it, it just makes me smile. So please do reach out and tell me what you think about the show. Um, I get these wonderful emails from listeners. It means a lot to me. Um, also rate it on whatever pl- podcasting platform you listen to it on. Uh, a review would be appreciated too. I think on Apple Podcasts, there's one very nice but very lonely interview. So if you get a chance, share share with other potential listeners what this podcast, um, how 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 you find it, and what 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 it means to you. And if you're relatively new to nudism and are willing to share your story on this podcast, I want to hear from you. And you can email me at newnudistpodcast at gmail.com. I asked. To close this out, I asked Stefan for his favorite quote on nudism, and he gave me one of his favorites. And one of the things I really like about Stefan is that he does his homework. And uh, so uh, before the quote, here's the attribution. So he said, this quote is widely attributed to Michelangelo on the internet, and it is actually said by a fictional Michelangelo in Francisco de Holanda's book, Diologos de Roma. In it, there's a dialogue, a fictional dialogue between the Portuguese painter and sculptor Francisco de Holanda, who lived between 1517 and 1585, and Michelangelo, who uh, is 1475 to 1564. Uh, and when, that's where it's said. And but the quote is still about 500 years old. And since it was published in 1548, which is Michelangelo's lifetime. It's still a good one. So here's here's the quote. What spirit is so empty and blind that it cannot recognize the fact that the foot is more noble than the shoe and skin more beautiful than the garment with which it is clothed? I'll leave you with that. I'm Scott Klein. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a great naked day.